0: This week, I get to invite back on the show Phil Drysdale. Uh, I had Phil on the show a couple of weeks ago, and we spoke about spiral dynamics. So, if you haven't heard that episode, um, it'd be worth going back in the catalogue and listening to that to get an idea of um, Phil and kind of his take on uh, deconstruction essentially. But this episode looks at um, waking up consciousness, the idea of Uh, psychedelics and how they can be used and utilised for mental health purposes as well as trying to uncover who you are as a person. What makes you tick? Where is consciousness coming from and how does it link into you and the conception of I that we all hold? Anyway, this episode's a lot of fun. It's so good to finally be able to talk about this stuff on the podcast. Uh, I've got a few more episodes planned um, with some clinical researchers and also somebody who is a fairly well-known blogger on this stuff. So stay tuned and yeah, there's more to come. Welcome to When Belief Dies, a podcast honestly reflecting on faith, religion and life. This podcast is all about listening. We want people to share their reasons for faith or their reasons for non-belief so that we can better understand what has or has not convinced somebody of the claims that different religions profess. This is a journey, it's not a destination, and I'm really excited to have you listening with us each week as we delve into different viewpoints from different parts of the world to try and uncover the truth. Enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of When Belief Dies. My name's Sam, and I'm delighted to welcome back on the show, Phil. Phil, how's it going?
1: It's all right. Yeah, it's going good. Um, I'm surviving. I, I, I've just mentioned the preamble, but I'll share with your audience because they really need to know I, I'm in a bit of chronic pain right now, so I've suffered with chronic pain for about a decade, and so having a bit of flare-up, which always is a bit tiring, frustrating whatever all the all the emotions that you probably don't want in life but it reminds me I'm alive it, it reminds me that I am here I am in this body and uh the body is serving me and the body is failing me and uh those are all good things to be reminded of at the end of the day
0: yeah it's it's weird I mean the the audience know that I've got um I've got a really bad back and have had for many years um and it's been a, a, a bugbear in fact it was it was the thing that, that kind of really kicked kicked off my my deconstruction uh, many years ago now and um yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting how pain, and we, and we were talking about this off air as well, but it's interesting how pain um, has can have such an influence over you, um, over not just your body, but also over how you think and how you go about life and, and the sort of things you want to investigate. Um, you you were saying before yeah. um, about how, how fascinated you have become with the study of pain um, in itself and how, how, how much of a new thing that is. Um, which I think is great I, I, I kind of also feel that that kind of the the, the West's study of uh, the mind and and how how things link together and how we how we understand the world um, is, is so so new and so almost um, infantile yeah. in its sort of like discovery Um so just to kind of let let the listener know before we just go on a random rant, which would be great, but um, basically this episode is 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 looking at uh, consciousness. It's looking at kind of the, the, the waking up of, of of your understanding of consciousness, and also um, psychedelics. Essentially, they're looking at kind of how uh, certain substances can alter the brain state and your chemistry, and help you to experience things in a different way. Uh, which I mean, this is really exciting for me. So I've I've written a few blog posts um, about this, which haven't gone live yet. So this podcast is going to go live before I share my experiences on the blog, um, mm. but. It's it's great to be able to actually kind of have the opportunity to talk about this with, with you, Phil, uh, for the audience. But it's, it's it's really nice to talk to somebody who I know from you know the other podcast episodes I've heard of yours, who's gone through similar experiences. Um, anyway, enough said. Um, I think it'd be really cool if, if if you're happy to to kind of talk about um, what got you looking at consciousness, what got you into the brain and into this sort of um, this sort of other side of of the human condition. Yeah
1: I don't know like I, mean, it's, it's, I, I always struggle to kind of like think back and go where did this begin where where, what kind of weird I'm a very uh kind of spiderwebbed thought I just go in 110 different directions they all eventually kind of connect up and make a beautiful pattern in some way shape or form but figuring out where I went and how I got there is very hard for me sometimes because I do I'm very scatterbrained I kind of go all over the place as if your listeners have listened to our last conversation, they will know. Um, I do kind of bounce around a lot. Um, but I think a lot of it was living in pain, um, You know, um, working through that and understanding, learning pain. I, I mentioned a preamble to you again, that like when you start to understand how pain works, you realize, oh gosh, every pain is in your head. So this is the new understanding of pain that it, whether you've been shot or whether you trip and you didn't really hurt yourself, but you're still like, ah, oh, you know, like whatever. Um, Your brain is deciding you're in danger. Therefore, I'm going to send you some pain signals to kind of make you focus on it and deal with it. Um, And it's the same way that you can, you know, have a very serious injury. But if your brain decides, oh, actually you're safe, you know, you don't need to know you're in pain. You're dealing with it. You're aware you're, you're, you're not going to push yourself further and injure yourself further or whatever. Like there's that constant battle in the brain, but realizing, gosh, if that's what's happening with me in chronic pain and my brain has learned that certain things are dangerous and it's going to force me to be in pain to try and stop me to do it. I need to see if there's something where I can rewire the brain, I can master the brain, I can, you know, give it more safety signals and it's getting danger signals or whatever. And, and I think that caused me to stop and kind of consider like, how do you master the brain? Aren't I a brain, right? And, and it's I've always thought, um, if people are familiar with kind of Ken Wilber's kind of um, quadrant, like you, you have on the right side, you've got the external kind of looking on and science loves like looking on something, pointing at it and going, that is a fly i can look at that fly i can tell you how big it is i can tell you how many legs it has i can tell you how it flies i can cut it open and tell you what organs it may or may not have i can tell you how it works and ticks and whatever Um, but i will never be able to tell you if that fly has a thought it will never be possible and in the same way i can go oh That is Sam. And I can tell you how his brain is functioning. I can tell you if his brain is alive by wiring it up to some machine. I can tell you if it's lighting up the right areas. I can even tell you what area is responsible for certain thoughts. Because I ask Sam, hey, can you think, you know, think of a really scary situation? Oh, look, the amygdala kind of starts to wire, like wind up and, oh, that's probably for fear. There's other ways we can tell that as well, obviously. Um, But, you know, you can start to look at that. But if I was to say, hey, Sam, how's your day going? what are you feeling right now? You know, what, you know, w- very quickly, if I start diving into the mind, like, what, what are you thinking? I very quickly hit a wall. Um, and I guess I lived in this, uh, and that's more the left side of, 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 kind of what was quadrant, which is the internal. Um, and it can only be known through communication. It's only in talking with you, I can know what's going on in your brain. I can dissect a million brains and never tell you what those people's favorite cut was. Never, that will never happen. Maybe one day we'll get so powerfully, uh, whatever, we can start taking apart neuropathways and re-engineering them in a computer and then maybe tell, and asking them a question. Still, we'd have to ask that computer a question, right? Um, and so there requires some sort of communication there. And I think I lived on that right side where it was all external, all reductionistic, all very kind of like, what can I observe? And I realized if I'm gonna deal with my pain, I need to start figuring out how to deal with the actual inner workings of this and what's happening to me and, and 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 questioning what do I feel, what do I think, what's happening to me. Um and from that I think I just started to read more and more about how what, what we understand of who we are and, and and I think all of us have had different experiences on some level where we have this awareness of like what am I what's going on here like if I cut off my arm am I still Phil if I cut off my leg am I still Phil you know at what point do I stop being Phil um you know even the fact that every cell in your body changes every seven years or so there's nothing in you that was there seven years before that's kind of mental it's the um it's an old philosophical question if uh, it's a ship they use but it's like you know you inherit your grandfather's ship and um You keep replacing bits, you know, you go, oh, the deck's running out, so I'll replace the deck. And you go, oh, well, we need to do the hull. It's a bit tatty. And, oh, I need a new rudder. And I need a new steering wheel. And I need a new mast. And now we need to get a new sail. And after you've done all these bits, are you still in your grandfather's boat? And it's kind of weird, right? Because most of us are like, yeah, this is the boat that my grandfather gave me. But there's nothing there that your grandfather gave you. Um, And this is what the the human body is on some level as well, is there's there's a me that transcends all of this stuff. And even potentially on some level transcends the brain, um, depending on how we we approach this and how we see this. But most of us can take a step back and observe and go, Phil is this, but there's someone that is watching Phil. There's someone that is observing, there's someone aware. I have a thought and there's someone that saw that thought coming about and went, I didn't make that thought. I didn't, you know, I'm just seeing that thought. And and that was something that was so foreign to me. I think the, the, the right hand side really struggles with dealing with that. Science really struggles with consciousness. Science really needs consciousness to be something that is developed in a brain of a very mature mammal and maybe something else in that kind of category might have consciousness. Maybe a dolphin, maybe a parrot or something, maybe. We're not sure, but certainly some tier of consciousness, maybe. But you can't have consciousness if you're a jellyfish, you can't have consciousness if you're a rock. We just can't have that. um, Because we can't take apart a rock and see anything that would give it consciousness. Um, But there's no way to say that a rock doesn't have consciousness. We don't know. There's no actual way to say. Um, And you you look at certain things. There's a great documentary on Netflix recently called Surviving Death. I say it's great. It was pretty, whatever in the middle, maybe I just didn't find those things that interesting, but the first episode, it was called Surviving Death, and the first episode was um, about people that had died and come back. Um, and some of the stories fascinating, you know, people that had died and, um, and then they came back and they, they can describe in great detail what happened when they were dead. they were literally on the table, dead. Um, no brain activity, no heartbeat, they are gone. Um, and they can describe what the doctors were talking about the music that was playing the type of tools that they were using to you know crack their ribs or you know whatever and and like literally things from like you know like it was like oh you know uh, how, what are you going to do after this you know and, and oh i'm going to my daughter's recital and they could tell this story and the doctors are going what the hell is happening because you were dead you were not here um, and they describe that they literally watched the whole thing play out. They literally were above their body. And, and, and we've heard stories like this a million times. And maybe there's a very rational explanation for this. Maybe there was some brain activity. Maybe you could still hear things. Maybe your brain paints this amazing picture of seeing it all. Um, but there's some really cool stuff out like that, that you go, huh, if the brain is dead and I'm still here, what am I, right? You know, these fascinating things. And I think it's only in recent years since really experimenting with it, I've always heard of consciousness. I've always heard people talk about consciousness. I've always kind of understood on a very surface level what consciousness was, but it's only in really going after um, meditative practices. It's only after maybe taking some psychedelics that I suddenly was like, "Oh, this is what they're talking about." There's something that isn't Phil. This 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 small s self. This small I um there's a big i there's a big s self you know there's something that is watching this all play out and when i get deep enough into my meditation i am that watching what's happening um if i take enough psychedelics i am that going huh interesting phil that's a thing okay cool whatever i don't really care cool like i love it wonderful let phil do his thing but i i don't pain sure This feels in pain interesting I wonder how he'll deal with it like there's this removed being that observes and that is fascinating to me um and so this is this is what we're talking about when we talk about consciousness and waking up is is that moment and we have those moments regularly in different ways shapes or forms where we suddenly go whoa and generally speaking we shift in and out of that quite readily I don't know many people that live woke up uh, that live constantly in awareness um even the great sages probably uh, don't so much. But yeah, that, that's what um, kind of got me started, like looking at this and not really understanding it, but knowing this is probably gonna be important to me. And and to be honest with you, the pain stuff is kind of secondary now. It's very helpful in my day-to-day life um, to, to use some of the tools I've learned and things like that. Um, but pain is kind of irrelevant to me in a lot of ways now. What's relevant to me is being able to step into, being aware, being awake and um and seeing that life is a bit of a play, life is a bit of a drama just playing out and enjoying that and, and having some equanimity and um and yeah, I, I think that to me is what I've got from it is is so much richer than just going, Oh, I can handle some pain or even trying to remove pain. It's just not a it's not a goal at all for me now. I'm like, well why would I care if I like that's just such an irrelevant thing. Like being in pain or not being in pain it's all part of the 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 fun of it all part of the experience this is what we're here for to experience it um it's not to avoid or to or to um escape pain it's to to observe it and watch it and experience it and go yeah okay so that's pain cool okay um And, you know, people that are in pain listen to this and like, fuck this guy. Can I swear? I can't remember. (laughs) Screw this guy. Who the hell? You know, like, I've been in pain for a decade, um, you know, and and I have lived with chronic pain a lot longer than that in in other contexts as well. I spent most of my teenage years in the fetal position on the floor, not going to school, not getting out of my bedroom um, in pain. You know, I've lived with a lot of severe pain. Um, And I say that without um, trying to minimize that. You know it's a horrible experience but there is something that has happened to me um, that I think is accessible to everyone um, that has taken me beyond that where I can actually look at that and go hmm, okay interesting not how do I get out of this I need to escape which was my experience most of my life in pain was I just want this to end I just want it to be over I cannot wait until the second I am not in pain um you know, life is miserable until I'm outside of this pain. Now, when I'm in pain, I go, oh yeah, gosh, there's this whole thing that happens. And wow, okay, that's what we're doing today. I'm in pain. Um, you know, I still like pop a codeine or, you know, whatever and try and, you know, minimize that. Some of them try to get work done and it's stopping me work or whatever. But it's not my goal to escape anymore. My goal is to experience and, and be aware. Um, anyway, sorry, ramble. Um, And this should be more of a conversation because you are just as much a master of this as I am. I am not an expert at all. Um, And so, yeah, don't let me ramble too much. That's good, mate. what's been your experience of um you know how did you s- start becoming aware of consciousness and, and being awake was that something that you pursued or is that something that just kind of you stumbled into
0: yeah it's a great question i um so for me the journey's been very much about um trying to work out if if i don't believe in the christian story anymore even though I'm i'm obviously deeply rooted within a christian like meta framework due to the west and how we've been raised um, but if i don't believe in the kind of the foundational truths of of a, of a classic christianity a conservative christianity that I was brought up in um where am i based what what is my purpose and my reason and my destiny and all those sorts of big questions and um it was through um essentially doing meditations i started off with um with headspace uh, which is a uh, Guy yeah. called andy i think they're actually based in california but he's like a, a secular buddhist or ex-buddhist whatever language he uses um, and he just did like a really simple sort of like meditation uh, mindfulness exercise um on his app um i think they've actually got a um they've actually got a, a, a netflix series now as well which is really good like a really good like, animation series of helping people understand what um mindfulness is um and anyway so i i, I began investigating that and then i picked up the book uh, waking up by sam harris Um, I don't think Sam Harris has all the answers or anything. I think he's got, there's a lot of weird, weird stuff he says in his moral landscape book, but his book waking up was really helpful because it looked at both the spiritual element and the sort of like consciousness, um, being aware of, of oneself and if oneself was actually there. Um, and then I started doing his, his app, which is the waking up app, um, which I found very helpful. And I'll have links in the description for all of these things for the listeners. I don't panic. Um, don't try and be scribbling notes. Just listen. Um, and yeah, so basically, I um, I I found it really really powerful when I began to, <clears throat> I, I began to ask questions like, if if you're sat there and you close your eyes, um, are you behind your eyes? And most people go yes, and then you go, are you behind the back of your head? And that might sound really weird to a lot of people, and it took me a long time to begin to get my head around this myself. But it's the idea that actually, you feel like you're in front of the back of your head all the time. But consciousness, when you stop and think, tells you that you're not. The the thing that you are consciously aware of the back of your head, and it's not just a case of you're in your brain consciously aware of it. It is a fact that everything you're interacting with, everything that you're experiencing is coming onto the sort of plate that is consciousness consistently. And that's where you have all your feelings and your thoughts and your emotions arise, and you get swept away with those consistently but it is possible mm. through meditation to come to that, that plate or beginning or the, the first kind of conscious moment um, and that seems to be within everybody and what I find really interesting is um, there's like this tiny little corner down here on the screen if, you, if you're watching the video which is probably the 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 this is probably the consciousness corner, let's call it that, and most people spend their entire lives in this section and they'll never even realise that's there and I find it completely mental that when you realise it's there, it, it will literally change your entire world if you choose to pursue it um, and so... Mm essentially just kind of going into a bit bit more of my my story um began to want to experience consciousness um at a fundamental level like I wanted the consistent narratives that that are going on in my head to be silenced or at least as 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 near zero as possible so I could begin to kind of work out um who I am at at the core and and begin to realize really that this person Sam isn't isn't anything more than than a, than a construct, which can seem very confusing and worrying to a lot of people. And I'm not trying to make anybody have any sort of like big doubts or concerns. Like this is a journey, like go go on the journey if you want to, if there's no pressure. Um, but essentially began...
1: existential work, right? Yeah. You are in for a bit of a crisis of, of reality if you pursue this heavily. And so, yeah, I, I think that's a good thing to say of like, don't feel you have to do this. Don't push yourself because this is pretty full on. But it is a fun journey if you, if you do do it.
0: Yeah, no, it, it, it really is. And um, I think this is what, what terrifies and fascinates me. And I think a lot of atheists or ex-believers or agnostics or whatever, kind of like this, I'm done with religion, I'm done with anything that might be, that can't be explained by science, like clearly neatly in this box and Consciousness right. cannot be explained by science, so I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, of actually um, Sam Harris's wife Annika Harris wrote a great book called Consciousness, and it's just a brief guide to consciousness. And she, in that book, explores some really interesting areas, which is um essentially so she looks at this uh, this gentleman's paper called so he's called Thomas Nagel. He wrote a paper um, What is it like to be a bat? And he was asking the question like if 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 a, if there is an experience that a bat has, then it has consciousness. And she kind of draws this line between. A conscious experience and cognition, like you, you're you, you, you like you, right. We, we we all have cognition. We're all doing things, thinking about stuff all the time. We're able to do work, and you know, a dog's able to do lesser things than us. There's a lesser lesser cognition, but actually, consciousness is is a separate thing. And when you try and actually define what consciousness is. It gets really tricky. It's a really slippery substance. Mm. Um, you know, a, a great example is there is a certain sort of tree in a certain part of the world. I can't remember. Forgive me, but go read the book. It's really interesting. But essentially, this this tree, through the kind of like fungal and, and mycelium network, interestingly, um, uh, can communicate with with its offspring, and they can send out signals if there's predators nearby or like other growths or other trees that are invading space. They'll make space for their for their trees to grow around. Um, it's almost like they're consciously aware of, of those that they have produced and what is going on around it. You know, they can't yeah. talk to you, they can't uh, interact in the same sort of ways we can, but they can send resources and supplies through their roots <clears throat> into the mycelium network and then into their these other trees. And that is that's insane because that does express some sort of consciousness, not cognition as we would typically understand it in a scientific way, but it, it expresses this this deeper thing that's going on. Um, and so, yeah, basically, I just wanted to go like, what is this? What what is this thing that we're doing? All the time, and um, and yeah, basically ended up pursuing um, magic mushrooms, essentially, which people are now going to switch off and call me a junkie, which is totally fine if I want to. I don't class myself <laughs> as that. I always say like I'm 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 going on a journey. I'm not going on a trip, and um, so I'm not trying to go out there and see mental stuff and be completely blown off my face and just like oh this is crazy. I'm not like at nightclub. I'm not going mental. And um, I do most of this stuff in nature, and I've only done it three or four times, and I'm still on the journey of doing it in other times, maybe, um, but. Essentially, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to go somewhere, take something, which is t- tuning Sam down to as close to zero as possible, realizing that I'm still there, like something is still there and I'm still interacting with the world and going, what is what is happening in this space? Um, and I think it's really important for the listener to realize that you can get to that point in meditation. So uh, people like in a sort of Buddhist tradition might call it enlightenment um, or you know, becoming you know fully woken up or whatever language they want to use. And I think. What you begin to realize the more you meditate, and the more that you experience the sort of like non like non drug elements to this is. Um you can experience moments of being enlightened or awake and um, getting into your car sitting at your desk in this conversation right now like you can be brought to the point where you're aware of that that plate of consciousness before your thoughts and feelings come come out from and actually it's mm. about going back to that point repeatedly in your day and actually having those those little iterative moments rather than trying to attain this really high title it's about realizing that you can begin to access that regularly throughout your day and that can actually be extremely freeing from depression, extremely freeing from worth and value and these pursuits that we consistently build upon, like these stories and structures that we need to keep feeding to maintain ourselves, they, they begin to crumble and, and go in it. It's actually really exciting when you, when you begin to experience that. Anyway, I don't want to start preaching, so I'm going to be quiet. But yeah, that's a little bit of my of my story.
1: That's so interesting, isn't it? Um, I, I feel like I'm kind of slowly taking over your podcast, but um, <laughs> I'm just going to flip it and start asking you lots of questions. But one of the things that fascinated me, I I've, I've read Annika's book as well. I think it was you that recommended it to me. It's over in the bookcase over there. Uh, along with uh, Sam Harris's Moral Landscape. We've got like a whole bunch of things you just mentioned just sitting there. Nice. Um, But it was a great book. But um, one of the things that fascinates me is one of the studies they've done that kind of shows what psychedelics do. So there's things like, um, if you're playing a piano and you press a key on that piano, you feel it, you hear it, and you see yourself press the key, and all those things happen at a different time. And what's fascinating is there's a part of your brain that is responsible for basically making this world make sense. It, it, its job is basically to ensure that Phil feels like he's Phil. Um, and if you suddenly have the things that you do in this world, they don't even line up on a very fundamental level, which is your five senses. If that's happening, Phil starts to kind of become a bit less of a certain kind of concept. Um, and so it's constantly trying to like go, okay, let's make sure that this is all kind of adding up. Um, And what's interesting is when you take psychedelics, what they've found is that part of the brain just kind of shuts down. It stops trying to build an ego, stops trying to make sure that Phil has a nice packaged story all around him where everything is kind of designed to make Phil feel like someone. Um, And so what happens is kind of the idea of Phil kind of just switches off for a while. Um, and so it's really interesting. So even just from that right sided very scientific, very reductionistic con- concept, we can see, oh gosh, that shuts down. But what's interesting is there's still a very strongly formed I, there's still a very, very much a thing that is me there. And it's still going Interesting. Uh, one of the things I find is a really helpful kind of description for people that are trying to understand kind of what we're talking about because Honestly, I've I tried to understand this for a long time And I thought I kind of had it roughly and it was only really in moments of waking up that I was like god I had no idea. This is what we're talking about. It was it was such a profound moment of going. Whoa. Oh gosh Yeah, I kind of knew the gist, but I had no idea what I was talking about this is a whole world of being aware of like this and um, One of the things i find really helpful is every most people i I don't don't want to say everyone but i'm pretty sure everyone on some level or another dreams and what's interesting is when you dream you're going through this experience where um you know you might be in a dream and maybe you are you or maybe you're someone else but you have an identity somewhere in that dream there's a you and so let's say it's phil so phil has a dream and i'm me and i'm in the dream and i'm talking to someone my my mother's there but she's died but that doesn't make any problem like this makes sense my mom's there and and I've got a dog there and there's a a camel in the background that's boxing Mike Tyson and um, there's a tree over there and um, you know whatever whether it makes a lot of sense whether it makes no sense it can be all kinds of things right we can have very real dreams and very kind of weird dreams but what's interesting right is in that dream I am me I'm not the camel or Mike Tyson Um, I might be them in that dream, but then I wouldn't be Phil. I'd be the camel or whatever. You know, you have all these different kind of characters, different things going on, um, and all of this is happening. And what's interesting is you kind of identify with something and you experience it through this, this one thing. You wake up, okay, and you go, huh, it was a dream. Ask yourself, who was Mike Tyson? Well, I was. I made Mike Tyson, and I made the camel, and I made the the tree, and I it, it, I it was all, like, just out of this perspective of just seeing it all. It's only in waking up that you suddenly go, huh, oh, interesting, I'm all of this. People, some people have lucid dreams, right? And so lucid dreaming would be the, 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 the analogy. So when you lucid dream, you suddenly become aware, oh, this is a dream. I'm making all this up. I'm perfectly in control of this. <laughs> I'm not this thing called Phil right now. I'm something that's back there sleeping, and I can have a lot of fun with this Phil. I can fly, I can go and jump into the fight with Mike Tyson and the camel and win. Uh, You know, I can do whatever I want. Waking up, becoming aware, you know, stepping into what is conscious, what is awareness, is lucid dreaming in a sense. It's suddenly going, oh, There's a Phil that thinks he's a Phil, that thinks he's a person, and thinks he has a story, and his identity is he's married to a Tilly, and he blogs and does Instagram, and he uh, is sitting in his office, and that's all kind of, on some level, a story. It's, It's very real and experienced, but it's kind of a story and actually I'm here watching Phil, I'm, I'm within Phil or above Phil or whatever, I don't know, behind the head, and in the head, who knows where I'm at, but I'm here and I am not Phil, I'm something observing this. I don't know, it's, it's kind of a weird analogy, but I, it really helps me to think of um, how consciousness is, is something apart from, but once it becomes awake, it can massively influence how that goes down, how, it, how we experience it, you know, um, Pete Holmes, who I'm a huge fan of, he talks about um, when you can be aware, when you can be conscious, you can think of your life so much differently. And he talks about thinking of, of his life as, a, as a, a, a day in a TV show. And he says, like, think of, your, think of your life as a TV series and you are one of the characters. And he says, and every day is, a, is something that's playing out, it's happening and, and you're watching it, right? On some level, there is something back there that's watching this play out. And, and he talks about, you know, when really frustrating things happen to him. So uh, examples I might give is maybe I miss a turning and I'm on a long road trip and I'm like, gosh, it's going to cost me another 10 minutes. And I'm already on a three hour road trip and I'm really upset and I get frustrated and, um, you know, I really get worked up. There's a part of me that can step back and go, huh, Phil's frustrated at this and Phil's upset at that." It's kind of funny. It's kind of like the funny moment in the tv show because if they're showing you the tv show they're not going to show you the bit in the tv show where you're just driving perfectly normal nothing goes they're showing you the moment where he misses the turning and gets upset and you're like oh the kind of joke's on him because it's not actually that big a deal and now he's really upset and he's getting frustrated and he's like jabbing at his gps to try and fix it or you know there's a component of having a bit of um it's not that you don't care about your life anymore. In some ways, you become much more interested in your life, but it's that you become a lot less attached to getting what you feel that you need to get and want as well. I think there's a lot of freedom that comes in that. And, and so that's helped me as well to kind of just be aware of like, who's watching right now? Have if, if you ever seen that on a, when you log into YouTube, it's like, who's watching right now? Or, mm-hmm. or on, a, on Netflix, and it's like, who's watching right now? It's kind of this, this moment where you wake up and go, who is watching right now? Who's watching this go down? Who's watching Phil sitting on a couch again, watching more TV like and going, this is not the best TV show. The Phil show today kind of sucks. He's just sat and watched eight episodes of Snowpiercer in one day. You know, like, No one wants to watch Phil do this. Um, that's, a, that's a good question to ask everyone again. Who's watching? Um, what, what, what are we watching? Sorry, rambling again
0: no it's really it's really helpful I think um, this this is such a an, an explorative field it's um it isn't something that's, that's you know you, you can't tack it down and go this is what it is um you, you you almost need to kind of be willing to strap on a pair of boots and, and wade into the snow and see see what happens i think it's um yeah which is which is really hard um i think especially because you know being 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 honest the 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 substances we're talking about are are illegal in in most parts of mm. the world um it, it makes it a very complicated um a complicated and of, often scary subject for people to want to begin to look at it um I was going to kind of I was going to kind of ask you, I mean, if you wouldn't mind, and I'm, I'm happy to do the same afterwards, but kind of um, how do you how do you go about um, seeking these experiences? And is it a sort of kind of like um, a, a spiritual practice of sorts for you? Like, how do you how do you kind of almost pace it in your mind as you're as you're beginning to look at meditation or psychedelics themselves or whatever it is that you're trying to wake up in, in that moment? How do you how do
1: you frame that to yourself? sure i mean for me spirituality is is the story that we give to create meaning you know and so even i would say atheists have a spirituality they have a story in which they have created a story we all creating stories no one knows the story right we all have to create one uh, we all create a story and go, this is the way it works. This is the meaning. This is how I find purpose. This is how I'm going to live my life. This is who I am. That's all one big story that we're telling ourselves. And it will change over our lives as well. Even the most fundamental person, their story probably changes. They just don't want to tell you. They just want to believe they always believe this, the way they did. And so for me, you know, this is profoundly spiritual work because this is this is work that is going, how can I tweak this story? How do I take a step beyond the story and go, hmm, what story is Phil telling himself? And how does that shape his life? And how does that affect him? And would it be different if he changed the story? What if what if we change the story this way? Does that, does that give him a better life? Does that take away some of his suffering and pain? Um, or even does it help him navigate some of his suffering and pain? And so I think it's very spiritual work. And for me, like you said, you know, something like psychedelics um, have a quite a bad rap. Um, that came kind of from the 50s, 60s when they first kind of really started being used a lot. Um, And and a lot of that bad rap comes from, it's it's quite interesting, psychedelics are one of the least harmful um, uh, medicinal plants in the world. You know, they're much less harmful than uh, cigarettes or alcohol. Much less. In fact, you you know, people don't die from overdosing on psychedelics even. just, you can take as much psychedelics as you want. You don't overdose. You just kind of cap out on what you're taking in and you like get rid of the rest. You might die if you think you can fly and jump off a balcony, perhaps. You know, I mean, people have died while on psychedelics. I'm not trying to say these are safe things. You should do it um, with wisdom. You should do it maybe with someone observing you and, and keeping an eye on you, it, You know, especially if you're new to this and you're not sure what's going to happen or how you're going to respond. Um, but generally speaking, you know, as far as controlled substances uh, here in the UK, where I am, they're they're categorised as one of the worst controlled substances. And yet they are across the board acknowledged to be the safest controlled substance. Um, and, and, and like I said, much, much less harmful than something like alcohol on the body and on society, which is the kind of two main ways they categorise um, any kind of drug is how does it harm the individual and how does it harm society? And that's how they decide how... it. Um, hurts. But I've never, ever, ever heard of someone on psychedelics who didn't just love everyone in the world, right? No one takes psychedelics and goes, I'm going to go shoot up a school, or I'm going to go stab my ex-wife. People take psychedelics and go, I'm going to go tell my ex-wife, it didn't matter. I love her. She's amazing. I bless her. Have a great life and go and love everyone else while I'm at it. That's how it, you know, as far as an impact on society, it's it's a pretty good impact actually. There, there's some real um, kind of crazy people that um, back in the 60s and this is probably why it became illegal. Some of the crazy nut jobs out there that were taking psychedelics. like, we could like just get this in the war system and if everyone just took it, whether they liked it or not, the whole world would be healed. We'd be all happy and safe and love each other. I'm like, maybe not a good idea but I can see where you're coming from I can see that mentality of like yeah this doesn't affect people negatively in that way but so a lot of people obviously when it has this kind of effect they want to take it because god who doesn't like feeling absolute bliss and feeling you know one with everything feeling absolutely connected to everyone in love with everyone and all these amazing emotions that's that's great and, and I think if you want to take these recreationally you do that i'm not here to to fight you i would warn you you know like that's a big um risk considering its legality (laughs) um for me the only time it's worth taking the risk is in shaping my reality and and doing the deep hard spiritual work it's the only reason i've ever taken them and i'm very intentional about how i take them you know i'll i'll make sure that i give myself a lot of time usually i'll take probably at least half a day before to kind of get myself in the right mindset. I'll be thinking, I'll be journaling, I'll, I'll just kind of make sure that I'm in a in a more peaceful place. I'll try and get most of the big things on my to-do list done, so that's not gonna distract me. Although you'll know as well as I, once you start taking these things, you don't give a crap about your to-do list anyway. you find that hilarious that there's this thing called a to-do list and people care about it. That's so funny, um, you know. Um, but then I'll, I'll make sure that the whole day is there. Most people, uh, you know, I won't go into the too much specifics, but when you take psychedelics, so generally speaking, if you're taking a, a, a decent sized dose that will um, not just kind of alter how you see things, but really alter how you exist, you know, will really cause you to kind of go into a place of going, oh, wow, Phil is kind of slipping away from me now, and I'm just watching this play out. Really kind of very existential work. You're looking at like six hours of not being here anymore and just experiencing, experiencing, that's it. There is no other words. You don't. You, you just are experience, you are awareness. Um, and then afterwards, good God, I need at least a day just to kind of sit and process and be like, what just happened? Where am I? Who am I? How am I now moving forward? It's gonna allow that in, it, that experience to shape how I do life. What I found is, I used to love trying to meditate, um, but I found it very hard. I think after I took my first psychedelic um, dose, um, meditation woke up for me and and became a much more um, meaningful thing because what it did is it gave me a goalpost. Not that meditation is trying to achieve something because that's definitely defeating the purpose, but it it gave me a a kind of a point of going, oh, here we are. Yes, this is it. This is being aware. This is being aware. That's what this whole thing is about. It's about this thing I've experienced. It's very hard if you've never experienced something when you're trying to do a practice that at some points is going to make you aware and and, and experience that if you've not done it it's very hard to know and I think that's one of the beauties of something like psychedelics is um, it's it's somewhat of a shortcut it really is it's it's a it's a you know get awake fast you know you take it you become awake and go whoa okay so this is what we're talking about this is what consciousness is this is what's going on and every time I meditate if this occurs on even a micro level I go oh here it is there it is I'm aware um, and so it's, it's, it's a really um, wonderful tool for those that want to take that path. Um, it's not for everyone. You know, I will say, in some senses, um, waking up is a really risky thing. Um, we talked about this a bit earlier. Like becoming aware that your ego is not who you are is utterly terrifying. We have spent our entire lives developing an ego, developing an idea of self so that we feel comfortable. Even from scientific points of view, we can break this down. Who is Phil? Okay, well, let's look at why we make decisions. Most of our decisions are led by gut bacteria, right? Gut bacteria are controlling who we are. If we took the gut bacteria out of our body, most of our decisions day in, day out would stop. We wouldn't be making the same decisions we we made yesterday. Um, You know, even like the fact that a huge percentage of our body is made up of other organisms, not even, what I call Phil or, or human. Um, you know, there's all these different components going on that if you start breaking these down and you start thinking about it too much, it's quite existential, it's quite scary, right? It's, it's it, it, even understanding, oh, if I press that piano key, I'm hearing it, I'm feeling it, and I'm uh, and, and all these things at, at different times. Wait, so you're telling me that like my brain is tricking me into this form of reality? Like that's a scary, it's scary stuff. And so my point is, just waking up to that every now and again and going whoa that's kind of trippy and then jumping back into our body and going oh no okay i'm phil never mind that that was a blip in the radar that's quite hard existential work to do that and then have six hours where you don't get to step back and be phil that's really hard existential work and and this is where you get things like the term ego death um, and people having um, very hard trips i I, I would never use the word bad so what's interesting is um, in A lot of the studies, they're studying like crazy psychedelics right now for a whole host of things, depression, anxiety, chronic pain, trauma, all sorts of things. Um, And what's really fascinating is there was one study in particular where they had done a whole bunch of different doses with people, um, and it was about six years ago or so, and um, every single one of them said it was like a very meaningful, uh, impactful thing on them, every single one, um, which is fascinating. However, I think it was about four of them said they did not enjoy it at all it was a very unpleasant experience for them and so what's interesting is they really didn't enjoy it it was very hard for them and it can be hard i've had some really hard uh, experiences while on psychedelics really hard i was fighting to hold on to phil because i did not like the idea of letting that slip away um you know phil is married to tilly if if there's no phil well think of my wife you know if there's no phil well who's going to develop this incredible I don't know, Instagram account or whatever I think I'm doing in this world, which is laughable when you say it out loud, right? Um, That's a scary process. It it really is very, very scary. And so that's why generally I I caution people take that very um, intentionally, if you're going to take it, don't do this lightly. Um, And I do think scene setting, how you go about it, how you how you how you take substances is going to be a very big impact on you as well you know if you take it with a bunch of mates at a party you're probably not going to have as much of a profound in experience as if you go and sit in nature somewhere or if you um, go into a closed room you make sure there's no real like distraction you just sit and you you just take them and you just sit there for six hours and and what's fascinating is anyone that has taken any substances will go yeah oh yeah of course you could sit i've literally lay on my bed one time just just lay on top of the bed and then six hours later, I got up and went, wow, that was quite the experience. You know what I mean? Like I, I didn't look at anything I didn't do, because people go, oh, well, it, it makes everything colorful. And it's awesome. Most of the time you don't even care about that. Um, and actually the more, pro- I, I find actually the less distraction, the less things to look at, the more profound, the more I go in here and it's just in here that I'm doing this exercise. Oh my gosh, like there's an entire universe there to experience and, and explore. Um, it's a, yeah, it's just a very fascinating world. But but I do think when we talk about something like psychedelics, there's other paths here. You know, I've um, I i, I, now, I I've not taken psychedelics for quite a while. Um, I've taken them a few times for sure, like maybe five or six times, um, maybe a bit more actually, I'm not sure. Um, but I always space them out. What's interesting as well, what makes psychedelics very interesting is they are not addictive substances. You do not take psychedelics and go, I wanna do that again. Like. At all, you you go. oh, yeah, I'll definitely do that again. I will do it again. I don't want to do it right now. I think I, I'll take a break for a few months. You know, you don't get addicted to psychedelics um, because as profound as it is, it's like whoa, that's hard work. It really is hard existential work, and I need space to process, to work through it, to whatever. Um, and what I found is, as I've taken psychedelics and as I've done more experiences, I now have that framework in which I can go, oh, I'm waking up, here I am. And, and I would say I have that experience at least 10, 15 times a day now. Um, and usually it's very fleeting, just for a second or so. Um, other times I can have it for several minutes um, or longer, um, especially if it's in some sort of meditative practice. So now meditation can bring me there, or breathing exercises, or something like kundalini yoga, or something like that, excuse me, can bring me to uh, a waking up point. But before those practices weren't really doing it because I didn't really have the framework for it. And so I think it can be a very helpful tool, um, but it's definitely not for everyone. And I think um, generally speaking, the more that you want control, the more that you want to be in charge of your and have an ego, the less of a fun time you're going to have on psychedelics because the psychedelics are there to teach you that's just a big story that you're telling yourself and so if you're really attached to your ego it might be the best thing you've ever done for sure but it might not be a fun thing at all and and going through an existential terror is not fun I've done it a few times and uh it's intense it's really intense but what's interesting is the second it's it's done by the time I've gone through even for those maybe six hours I'm on it maybe only an hour maybe probably like 10 minutes it's so hard to gauge time anyway but it's it's not forever that even you go through because by the time you've kind of started to unravel, you go, okay, well, it's happening, I guess. <laughs> I don't really have much control over this. And you start to enjoy it. It's why that most people, while they say, well, I didn't enjoy that experience overall. It was very meaningful and positive for me. So they went back and asked all those candidates that said they had a negative time um, or, or they had a negative experience, but they they still hold it to be a very meaningful spiritual experience for them. Every single one of them five years later said it was one of the most important things that they'd ever done and they would do it again, even though they'd had a negative experience. And so, you know, this concept of what's good and bad, the concept of what I want and what I don't want, often what I want is not what I need, right? Says the guy who's sitting watching binging Netflix or whatever, right? I know that's not what Phil needs, but on some level, Phil's going to do it anyway because that's what Phil thinks he needs. Um, And so, yeah, Uh, sorry, more rambling, but gosh, this is just such exciting and interesting stuff. I I love it. Um, So I can't help but ramble as soon as I I start talking about these things.
0: Hey, I want to take a minute of your time to talk about supporting when belief dies. This will always be an advertisement-free podcast. And for that reason, I hope you will be willing to share this episode with your friends and family. Subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app and check us out over on YouTube. Finally, I want to ask you to consider supporting the show financially. You can support the show on Patreon with a monthly gift or a one-off donation via PayPal. Everything that you give goes directly towards running and improving the blog and podcast. Take a look in the description for all the links and thank you for supporting the show. Right. Let's get back to this week's episode. No, it's, I mean, I, com- I completely agree. It's, it is the most important thing I have ever experienced. And as you said, it is not addictive. Like I don't, I'm not like, hey, let's do it in the next couple of months. Like, no, let's not. Let's just actually let that experience almost have like a ripple effect through, for like the next few months. And, you know, I think um, Paul Stamets, who's quite a well-known person that deals with mushrooms in general, kind of says that for him, and he kind of, he's done this many times. Um, apologies, by the way, there is building work going on outside that I cannot control. So if you hear any weird noises, it's it, someone's building a house behind the house we live next to so sorry about that but anyway um paul Stamets basically says that he does it once a year and that's enough for him um you know he's massive on this stuff he's really like, into mushrooms and, and their effect on the body in general like not just psychedelics but how they are you know all like sure. humans have grown up and well i say grown up evolved taking mushrooms and these substances and actually they, they do have a, a, a evolutionary benefit to to the human body you know potentially kind of uh, cures for alzheimer's and things like this could be found within certain strains and substances of mushrooms like we just don't we don't know yet because so many of them are unidentified and unexplored um, it's fascinating but what I wanted to say was um, I, I often feel and I th- hopefully this is helpful for the listener that if they are going to try psychedelics is um, throughout meditation or yoga or even kind of walking in nature or reading sometimes you can come to the point where you 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 wake up and you just might not realise it's happening because it's just there and it's gone, it's there and it's gone, it's there and it's gone and it's almost like you're walking up to the door, you're opening the door, you're closing the door you're walking away again but if you take one of these substances you're going to be pushed the door, the door's going to be open, you're going to be pushed Out and the door's going to be shut and you're going to be in that place and you need to be able to be okay in that place Um, and if you're not okay in that place you need to be basically aware enough to realize that whatever you're experiencing is you trying to tell yourself something is consciousness trying to go this this needs to be dealt with we need to work this through and I've read countless blog posts so many books so many YouTube videos of of people experiencing a bad or negative or like not positive experiences um, and actually realizing that they're working through like their parents death or something in their mm-hmm. life that happened to them or something else because of the way they connect consciousness to it um, they, they needed to begin to relay the tracks and work out why they got to that point and um yeah, if you can frame it in that experience, it's really helpful. I mean, people you know, people see really weird things. Like I read one account of someone who takes mushrooms, who whenever he takes them, um, he literally sees these mushrooms coming towards him and then he begins to be outside of himself and see the mushrooms like almost cutting his skull open and working on his brain. Like that's what he sees. I mean, I don't really actually see anything. Like, you know, things can move in, in weird ways, but that that's it. That's as far as it goes for me. It's much more in here and I, I mean that's where I've always been anyway. Even when I was a very spiritual person, it was always a, a deep spirituality. It wasn't a happy clappy crying everything. It was very much like an internalizer. And that sure. seems to be how my consciousness plays out in that space as well. Um but yeah just to kind of reiterate you, you can experience these things. But I think I think it was Sam Harris who said this. It's 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 almost like um, there are different bubbles of consciousness and what taking the substance does is it punches into another bubble. And you're in this bubble most of the time. And this, this little corner that I was mentioning before, it punches into that. And then you're able to then realize that you can now freely move in and out of that. And because you know you know the path to it, yeah. you, you're fully aware of how that can happen. It's almost like the door that was barred or locked or was only ever open, open a little bit is now always openable. And you can always just go up to it. It's almost like the, the door's been kicked in and it's never going to quite shut. In, in the way it had done before so when listener when you take this if you do take this just bear in mind that it it will change you forever um, and you might never take anything again but your experience will still stay with you and you'll listen back to this episode or you'll talk to your friends about it or your family um, and you won't help but be talking about it in these sorts of ways which I find fascinating because the story seems to be the same um, you know there are kind of people taking DMT there are people taking um, there's that I can't I can never remember what, what it's called but there's another substance which is like a green drink which they use in spiritual practices. Um, ayahuasca. Forget- yes, thank you. Um, ayahuasca, and that's like heavily utilized. Again, it's kind of like DMT, but a slightly longer lasting version. Um, and it, again, it, like whenever people take these substances, what they see, changes but the experience seems to be very very similar um, which is fascinating like across culture across time you see ancient carvings of mushrooms or funguses or different things because people across the whole of humanity the, like everywhere in the world have gone and explored and found this stuff and realized there is something that is linked to our foundation that, that we can experience when on these substances. Um, there's, a, there's a really interesting um a book as well i know uh, joe like the joe rogan podcast he's a big fan of dmt and mushrooms and stuff and it's a really really good podcast obviously it's the thing it's the best podcast in the world by by its stats anyway and um, but he's a big fan of, of dmt and, and mushrooms and these sorts of things and he does it on the show now and then which is really interesting to see how he changes and interacts with people and um, he does other things mm. on the show as well which would definitely not 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 like condoning but anyway um you know these these things are really interesting because he begins to talk to people about kind of how um mushrooms could even be linked to the early kind of judaic roots of christianity um how how it's linked to the christian that's uh, christian the, the 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 christmas father christmas story like the, there's different things that you can see um within society and within our cultures that it's just there but unless we look for it we don't care it's isn't it's in this little corner it's just there we box it away it's illegal it's a class a drug we should never do it but it's not addictive it's not toxic and obviously if you're going to go to the street corner and buy something you don't know what it is i'm not going to say that's okay but you can you can know what you're taking um and it's just about doing your own research and and weighing up the risks and going the police might knock on your door and it's a class a drug you need to work this thing through and work out if it's okay or not for for that for that to happen but having Having had, so I, I had really, really bad eczema when I was, um, when I was a little boy. So I say little boy, like I was between eight and 13. So it wasn't, you know, a 13, I was pretty much as tall as I am now, but I was still mentally <laughs> mentally a little boy and um to, to, to the to the point where I just stand there in my boxes and cry and not be at school because of how painful these massive holes in my skin were and how I couldn't do anything. Um, and that led to a series of depression and I still have depression. These things like this these these substances haven't cured um the the condition that is Sam, but they've given Sam tools in his arsenal to be able to Work these things through effectively, where sometimes conversation breaks down, where um, a belief in a very personal god has kind of slowly eroded away, where where these things I thought were once there have gone, I've been able to go. They're still really important, right? It's still important to have counselling. It's still important to have good friendships. It's still important to have a spiritual element to your life, however that looks. Now that you're either in or out of Christianity, whoever's listening, but. The, these are new tools, tools that haven't been explored and have rarely spoken about, and are slowly popping up on podcasts like this, like your podcast. I was amazed when you were talking to your wife, and um, for for your hundredth episode or whatever it was, and you began to talk about about magic mushrooms. I think one of the things you said was, "Is it is it okay that I talk about this? Like, am I going to be in trouble for talking about this?" And it's just like people need to stand up and realize that it's okay to talk about it. It's also okay to say you've taken yeah. it, um, and it's okay to be honest with why you're doing it. Um, Oh, have done it in the past, I think. Yeah. Again, that's just a rant. I apologize, but yeah.
1: No, it's really good. It's really good. I love it. Yeah, I mean, it's, and the thing, I guess, it's really tough because you'll maybe have experienced this, right? You've tried to write blogs about your experience or, or you know, I'm sure you've tried to tell uh, people, loved ones or whatever about your experience. And Maybe you haven't, you're terrified to tell them. I'm sure that's where we can put as well. But uh, you, you try and explain something like waking up to people. And, and we've tried in this podcast to use different analogies and expressions and, and whatever. And uh, it's not possible. Uh, so to if you were to say describe your brain or describe um, an emotion or whatever you could start kind of trying to describe things. The, the deeper we go and start feeling like emotions, it's like well, what what describe an emotion? It's like oh, I'm just using other emotions to describe this emotion. You know, it gets a bit more complex. But when you when you go okay, but the person that's aware that they feel upset, that 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 thing that is just aware, even when I as soon as I label it. I'm not labeling it, I'm, I'm labeling something that's it's a step beyond it, you know, this, this, this is this kind of this, the witness, the one that is aware is always the one that can be, can, can label, it, it doesn't get labeled, it's labeling. So even the second I'm going, oh, I'm going to label that, that isn't awareness. I am the thing that's labeling it. So, like you know, I mean, we're constantly moving a bit further away from it each time we try and label it, and and so to describe consciousness, to talk about it, to talk about awareness, we're we're trying to talk about something that's beyond words, beyond anything, really. Uh, it's, it's like trying to describe God, right? Um, you, you try and describe this this. Um, Ephemeral being this being that is beyond words right well, words well they came along a long time after god if you believe in a god right um, and the same with awareness right awareness exists beyond words you don't need words to be aware you don't need language to be aware it might shape how you're aware to be aware of language but awareness is aware um, and so we're using all of these every tool we have in our arsenal to talk about these experiences and, and being aware and being awake but it's grasping at straws and it's not it's not it's not it you know you can't read a book on consciousness you can't read annika harris's book and go i got it i understand consciousness you can not you can only be aware and what's really interesting is there's never been a time in your life you haven't been awake there's never been a time you haven't been awake and aware every single time you can think of in your life you've been awake you've been aware you 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 have consciousness of that and what we're talking about is suddenly being aware of my awareness right it's it's like a whole another step back but like of course like i'm aware like right now i'm watching a podcast and i can describe what's happening and, and there's something that is aware of all of that but am i aware of that something it's it's such a it's, it's just a mind trip and you're just going layer upon layer upon layer doing these circles trying to describe something that is Ultimately, undescribable. You you almost have to describe everything around it to describe it because you can't describe it itself. Um, and so, all that to say, you know, if me and Sam sound like absolute nut jobs when we're talking about this, yes, yes, exactly, right, correct. We're doing a fairly uh, incomprehensible job of describing the incomprehensible. <laughs> like it's it's hard to do. Um, and so, you know, it it it's you're not you're not not getting it if you're not getting it in a sense you know like it is a component of just like this is something that is very hard to describe and, and we are kind of just grasping at straws using any metaphor we can um but at the end of the day it has to be experienced to to know um and maybe even just listening to this podcast makes you a little bit more aware that like next time you try and meditate you go oh yeah Huh, that's oh that's what I'm doing. That's what this exercise is. Oh I've yeah, I've done this before. I know what this is. I've been aware. Huh, okay, cool. Like you, you probably will have those kind of experiences. Once you start to be aware of this and and and, and you are you know kind of the language and what you're looking for, you're gonna be much more likely to suddenly realize that, oh yeah, this is happening. Because we do it all the time. We really do. Um yeah, on, on some level or another, we are consciously um, aware of things. All the time. Maybe mm. That's how we live. Life is
0: aware. <laughs> yeah, I find as well. Um, people think that meditation is about um, almost stopping your brain making sound or like you know experience mm. or thoughts, or whatever. I think meditation is about um, being somewhere that you're not, and actually, that it, is like, literally not what meditation is. Meditation uh, for me, this is maybe just my opinion, but meditation is the art of becoming aware that you are are lost in thought, becoming aware that you're lost in in an emotion, and it's it's that going. Where did that thought come from and then watching that thought disappear and realizing that thought is nothing but a thought although a moment ago it was everything that you are which is weird and then going back to just witnessing what arises within you and then of course you're going to get lost in something again like that's how we spend our entire lives is lost in narratives like it's going to happen um it could be work it could be family it could be exciting something really worrying it could like so many things it could be that you'll get lost in but you'll get lost in something i promise you and then it's about being reminded and then coming back to um being aware of you and at some point they will become that aware of that plate of I call it the plate of consciousness like it's just a language thing again it's not making sense but so for for, for people meditating that have gone I've done it before doesn't work I just get lost in thought like that is actually what meditation is it is the practice of being lost in thought and coming yeah. to an awareness that you're lost in thought and then resetting and like I've gone through months where i've been doing 20 minutes every single day and i have been lost in thought for pretty much all of it and it's i just feel like i'm not progressing at all and then i've got months of amazing clarity i think it's because the human the human person goes in cycles like we, we are cyclic beings like we even when it's winter the way that our bodies retain fat more readily than it does within summer it's because we are responding to the seasons and the environment that we're within without even realizing it most of the time and you could be going through depression and, and you could might not even be aware of it until someone says to you are you depressed like this is how you were four months ago when you were depressed. And you're depressed like, oh shit yeah I, I am depressed i didn't even notice it and it, it's, this, it's this realization that if you don't feel it now it doesn't mean you should stop trying it's about recognizing what the purpose of meditation is and that's the purpose of realizing that you're constantly lost in thought uh, constantly you can't get yeah. away from
1: it yeah yeah well that's that is it to a t i always come across this people are like oh no i don't like meditation i just think too much and i'm like oh wonderful you're doing it you're aware you're thinking that's that's awareness the person that, the thing that thought oh no i just thought another thing when i'm not supposed to be thinking huh who thought that because you're supposed to not be thinking is an idea is, a, is an is some sort of thought but who noticed that you're supposed to not be thinking and then you thought that is awareness and you're doing it so even the thought of going, oh, there's another thought, that's it. It's not, oh, I've got rid of my thoughts. Well, then what are we aware of, right? So what are you aware of now? Oh, there's no thought. Great, you're aware. Oh, there's another thought. I'm failing. No, nope, that's awareness. Now you're aware of the thought. Um, and so I, I, I find um, one helpful practice that I found um, quite helpful is if, if you just sit the next time you meditate instead of trying to like calm your mind or clear your mind or any of that right all I want you to do is sit you can even do it with your eyes open you can do it with a busy room you can do it with a tv on if you want obviously I would try and quiet your scenario and your situation as much as possible um but then just sit and I want you to just as you are sitting just just say to yourself as you notice just I'm having a thought I am seeing something I am hearing something. I am feeling something. And just observe what it is. You don't have to think about what you're thinking. You don't have to like think about what you're seeing. But if you're just sitting there and a bird flies by, you just go, I am seeing something. And then you hear the construction work and go, I am hearing something. And then you have a thought construction work that's going to be annoying on the podcast later and you go oh i'm thinking something and and just observe so you're not then going oh why am i thinking like that and what am i thinking again? Why? and why and maybe you start to get lost in that thought and you're thinking loads and loads, and then you just bring yourself back and go oh i'm thinking something again i'm still thinking and it's just that is what we're going for and that's training the brain to to go oh this meditation practice it's not about avoiding thinking avoiding seeing avoiding hearing it's about being aware while all that goes on. It's about giving the, uh, uh, the thing behind all this, um, stretching that muscle, punching through that door and going, hey, how can I make this door a bit wider so that as stuff's happening, I'm aware of it more often and I'm aware that there's something that's aware. Um, because yeah, that, that was a huge barrier for me for a long time because I live in my head. I live thinking, 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 thinking. It doesn't stop. I can meditate for two weeks. It doesn't stop. I'm still thinking, but now I can be aware I'm Thinking, and there's a thing that steps back and goes, Oh, Phil's thinking about this oh, interesting, cool, I guess, whatever. Yeah, but it's it's, it's, it's aquanimity equanimity is it, it suddenly steps back and goes, oh, Okay, cool, fine, let's let's do it. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's, that's great advice, like you know, not to get too caught up in, in it. All these practices, it's not about you know, if you meditate for pain, is a really helpful one. If you use the Headspace app, there's a great meditation, um, on pain. And, and it's just, the point of it is not to escape your pain or to fight off your pain. That's often a byproduct, is that you actually find tools to deal with your pain. But the, the point is you just sit there and go, okay, where is the pain? Oh, it's in my right knee, okay. Is it, where about in the right knee is it? Oh, it's there. Is it still there? Oh, actually no, it's moved. Oh, what shape is the pain? Hmm, yeah, it feels like it might be like kind of a circle. Oh, what color would it be if it was to be a color? Hmm, yeah, maybe like a red pain. Um, all right. Is it still in the same point? No, it's moved again. Interesting. And so as you observe it, what you find is actually, I'm not in that much pain. I'm too busy watching it, the pain. You know, it's, it's such a surreal experience. And so what we're doing is we're training ourselves just to watch, just to be aware. Um, it's like what I'm saying. I'm driving down the road. I miss my turning. I'm getting upset. And then there's something in me that's going, oh, Phil's getting upset right now. Oh, Phil thinks it's really important he gets to his destination at 12 instead of 10 past 12. Phil thinks that there's a person on the other end who knows he's got a three hour drive that's going to be pissed off if he's 10 minutes late. (laughs) Phil thinks that he'll be letting them down and they're never going to be happy again. You know, like it's observing this and and almost being able to laugh at the whole thing. Um, Because when we do start looking at all these stories that we build, they are laughable, most of them, even the most serious ones. You know, I I was able to apply these practices even when my mother was dying of cancer and, and a horrific, painful, awful experience for people to go through. Um, and yet, oh, Phil thinks people shouldn't die. Well, that's kind of a funny thought when you stop and you watch it and you go, Phil's really upset because he doesn't want his mom to die. I'm like, yeah, that's really fair and reasonable. OK, but what's happening here? Phil thinks people shouldn't die. OK, does Phil live in reality? Because that's what everyone does at some point right we all die we live in a world where people die Um, and so phil is living in this made-up reality that is so detached from reality um yeah i just think it's 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 what awareness does is it helps us shape these stories it helps us um, live with a bit more of a smile and a bit more of a a cosmic humor as well i think um, for sure
0: No, no, it's so true. And I think what I find fascinating about this is, so there are things that have happened to me in my past I, I hold on to and I get angry about or emotional about and I can hold that anger for decades, right? Um, and you can, you know, you can you can be on this journey, miss your turning and you're getting annoyed and frustrated and um, maybe even really happy that um, something else happens. You get married or have a child or whatever it is. Um, you get really excited and happy. Um, and there are so many emotions that arise within you all the time. And um, I just wanted to kind of reiterate to the listener especially is, you can begin to notice emotions arising and bring yourself to the state before the emotion arrives. So as in, see the state that the emotion builds from rather than being in the emotion. So not that people will no longer anger you and there's not like righteous and just anger. Of course there is like things go wrong all the time and it's okay to be angry. Mm. Um, But if you don't want to be angry, you don't have to be angry. I think that's a really powerful tool is, is, is realizing that we can get lost in anger for days at, like, I can get angry with Kirsty, my wife, and that's it, we're just angry and I'm annoyed at her and, you know, I, I quite often forget, but she doesn't, so she can be angry for a few more days than me, um, and I'm like, why, why are you annoyed at me? Oh yeah, there's a thing, I should have taken the bin out or whatever it is, um, that's a really, like, pe- petty thing, That like, she wouldn't be angry for days, about but just an example. Um, Paint
1: her to be, like, this monster yeah. <laughs> that's so angry about a bin. <laughs> it's always
0: her fault, damn it. Um, no, so, yeah, so, but, but basically um, I'm, I'm working through this with Kirsty and myself as well, and even, even my boys who um, I've got two little boys I wake up really early and they just go mental and I'm trying to like cope with it because they're so loud it just blows my brain and um, so I'm trying to bring myself to a position where okay I'm now feeling frustrated um, and I can either live within that frustration which will just spiral um, or I can begin to go okay I'm going to box that frustration and go what's that state before it and I get this wrong all the time like I'm not saying I'm some sort of like messiah within meditation or anything like that like it is a journey and it's an experience and all this sort of stuff but um, Headspace again has some really great kind of like children meditation uh, sections which could be like calm or peaceful or um, dealing with anger or dealing with disappointment like you know you didn't win a prize or your friend didn't want to come out and play or whatever it is and these things sound so like small to us but actually as adults we deal with exactly the same things they just feel bigger but they're not actually they're just the same size as they were when we were kids but just over different things and um, so yeah just to say to people like you can begin to work through the emotional elements of your life as well um, i think you alluded to that really really clearly and um, phil when you were talking about your mum and and her passing it's that there are so many thoughts going on and so many feelings going on you can begin to you know they're still there like the thoughts are still there the feelings are still there but you can begin Absolutely. to help yourself get to that point where you're going okay I can see where this has come from. And that gives you, I mean, this is what's helped me with depression. Like I consistently, I, I, I spiral with depression. So I uh, feel better, feel worse, feel better, feel worse. And it just, you know, over like a monthly cycle, it seems to be. Um, so just obviously recognising how you are, and it could be that you're consistently depressed or you're depressed every couple of years or whatever it is. Uh, daily, it kind of comes from fluctuates. Whoever you are, these tools can help you to begin to witness these things in in a different way it's almost like switching a light on that's going to shine from this direction, rather than just having the light on that's always been on you begin to illuminate um your being in a way that helps you to go ah, it's not the lost cause i thought it was there is more Mm -hmm. to this um and okay sure like you might actually be a a, a nihilistic atheist and this world might make mean uh, actually mean nothing okay fair enough but you can still have this. There are values in things because of this conscious plate that you are building from, um, which is fascinating. I mean, it, it's helpful. For being a Christian can do this, and a non-Christian can do this. this. Isn't this isn't anything really spiritual in that element? It's it's much more about recognizing how it can be beneficial uh, to you. You can see I'm getting animated, and my arms are going up and down everywhere. But anyway, this is this is important stuff. I think so. Yeah, it just yeah. really excites
1: me. Yeah, and I think. Um, talking about that anyone can do this everyone has the opportunity to wake up because everyone is waking up constantly in different ways shape or forms we're just less aware of it and we have less um, language for it but when we have these profound wake up whoa I'm aware and this is like a bit of a story and I'm not me and you know and all these different things that we talk about um, the process of growing up is important I think and being aware of you know having a waking up experience you could take psychedelics but if you are a warlord, uh, you know, that's gathering child soldiers and, you know, mining for diamonds or whatever, so if we build iPhones, I don't think the diamonds are in the iPhone, but you know, whatever, um, you know, whatever we're doing, you know, these kind of like, if we're in a, a very um, unhealthy place, and we have a waking up experience, and we have this profound awake moment, we are generally going to frame it through our, our perspective. And so, Um, We see this again and again, like um, if if Christians have an awake experience and a profound um, experience of of waking up, they'll generally frame it through, oh, God met with me. I met with God. You know, they would they would kind of describe that consciousness as a God's kind of thing or whatever. Um, But an atheist would describe it completely differently. And a Buddhist would describe it differently. And, you know, um, the person in, in the heart of Peru, you know, taking ayahuasca, who is, you know, in a very different, more kind of tribal culture is going to describe it differently. They're maybe going to talk about, you know, the spirit of the trees and ministering to them or whatever. And, and, and so the point is, I do think there's a lot to be said for growing up, which I would describe as kind of the more personal journey of becoming a healthier, wholer human being. Um, because I think when you wake up, you can wake up at any point, any point you can just have that moment where you wake up, but how grown up you are is going to influence what you do with that, right? So you might have a woke, a, a waking up moment where you go, oh my gosh, wow, this is what's going on. But if you're in a very um, unhealthy, unevolved place of mind, you might go, oh my god, God just visited me and he um has shown me the truth and therefore i'm going to go and kill everyone that doesn't accept it and you have the crusades you know or whatever you know or um, and and so that i mean that stuff happens right people have these profound experiences of suddenly waking up and having this but they frame it through a very limited and maybe primitive kind of form of spirituality and i think a lot of religions can be very non-primitive they can be very uh enlightened and evolved forms of spirituality so you know you could be very primitive or very evolved within something like christianity so i'm just saying. We should be growing up so that we can, as we wake up, as we have these experiences, we filter them through a healthy perspective. We don't filter them through a a very unhealthy experience because it's very easy to hear something like what we're talking about here and waking up and going, oh, this is a very, um, this this is a great thing. Well, actually, it can be a very unhelpful thing at times. It can be a very um, dangerous thing. Um, for people to have an awareness of something greater than themselves, and, and whatever that you give that to the wrong person with the right bloodlust, and they can go on a mission, you know, and and yeah, it can be if you if you have that experience and you've got a very black and white worldview where you have very strong in and out groups. Well, now I'm in because I've had this experience, and anyone that has this experience is in, but everyone that hasn't is out, and I need to get them to be in. And if they're not, well, we're going to treat them less than, we're going to dehumanize them, we're going to. You know, whatever, enslave them, or kill them, or what? Like some really messed up stuff can happen because people have a woke, uh, a, a waking up, sorry, an awakening. Um, and so, I think there's a big part as well of this whole process of of doing your work, of growing up, becoming healthy. You know, dealing with what you've got to deal with. Um, I think that's really important as we go on this journey as well. I, I so that's why. I, I caution people as well about things like psychedelics and things like that as well, of like, are you in the right place? Are, and, and to be fair, you can be in a very wrong place and it can be very helpful, right? So you can be in the midst, I, I, I'm not saying, you know, stop being depressed or stop being angry or anything like that. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying get to a place where you're in your worldview, you're not maybe so militant, you're maybe not so fundamental, maybe you're not so in and out and you hate certain groups and you love certain groups. like those kind of mindsets are probably not going to serve you very well um uh, psychedelics might still rip you out of that and, and help you grow psychedelics can help people grow up uh, but often they will uh, they will potentially be quite limited to where you are in your worldview as well um yeah
0: yeah very helpful and i think very very true as well is um depends who you are and where you are as to how you're going to use it it needs to be a tool it doesn't need to be an end in itself i think that's the big thing it needs mm. to be something you're going to do to experience and grow in rather than something you're going to do to get the badge or to have completed a mission or something like it, it isn't an achievement um it is it is a tool to progress something and if you're going to then use that to yeah destroy people's lives it seems weird when when you're on it you probably thought they were the best things since sliced bread like you absolutely loved them and uh, now you're going to twist it around in some sort of weird framing um like uh yeah you need to allow it to open up your mind and to show you that what you thought was real isn't actually the really correct way of looking at stuff and um and that can be really challenging So this is why people like have potentially negative experiences because they begin to get pushed through the door and they try and push back and there's this invisible hand that's making you go through Like, i don't want to i don't want to do it no no it's it's too late you've taken it you need to let go and go with it um but if they have a really negative experience it could be like we need to ban this this is is a substance that is completely unacceptable is needs to have a five thousand pound fine or whatever and we need to get people to go to prison straight away or whatever it is and it's that yeah recognizing how it should be taken when it should be taken and i mean that's that's a complicated journey i think something the uk is going to be going through for a long time i think trying to navigate that one um but yeah it'll be one
1: of the last that's for
0: sure yeah it looks like that doesn't it um phil is there anything that we haven't said that you thought would be good to talk about in this kind of waking up episode i don't know
1: i mean i am a novice so i mean there's probably a lot to be said i'm sure anyone that is uh well versed in this topic and is um, an expert would be pulling their hair out that you had me come on and talk about this so uh there's probably a lot let me say that. And, and you know, we're, again, we're talking about something that is beyond everything. You know, it, it, it's um, anything we talk about, awareness is there, aware of it. Um, and so uh, every single time we try and describe it, we're describing something a little bit removed, a little bit removed every time. And so, you know, bear in mind, this isn't the perfect description of exactly what awareness is. It's not the, the be all and end all. It is about having those experiences. I do recommend to people try different practices they they go and um you know try different meditation and just and just being aware um that you know what they're looking for is who's watching who's who's watching this experience go down it's not about am i thinking too much am i thinking too little have i managed to clear my mind how you know is, am i feeling emotional right now do i need to stop feeling emotional um I, oh, i'm in pain that's distracting me from meditating no 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 it's just who's watching right now let's let's watch um and just stretching that muscle and 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 exploring there i think if you can do that you're well on your way um and and it's an exciting journey it really is and and it's got profound impacts and it's not like i said you know like um you know it can have profound impacts on how we navigate really hard situations how we navigate hard emotions how we process um living with trauma or depression or anxiety um but it doesn't it just, it's not a cure for that it's not a fix for that and, and actually a lot of those things are important and good um, and that's a very controversial thing to say but you know pain can be a good thing pain is important you know if you if you um i don't know if you get bit by a snake and you're in pain that's really really good because it's telling you go to the doctor and get the antidote get the anti-venom right um, if you're not in pain you just keep going and you die a, a mile down the road you know um and so pain and suffering and these things that we're not i'm not saying they're bad things that we need to transcend and, and look at and go oh that's just you know this this secondary thing No, no, no. There's amazing tools that allow us, they they allow us to engage with these things more. And and to be honest with you, I'm more emotional now um, that I'm more aware and more uh, awake to what's going on. And so don't hear what what I've been saying or even anything that Sam said as, um, you know, any of these things are wrong or to be escaped or not good. They're they're wonderful. Um, The beauty is we can actually be aware of them and enjoy them um rather than just being caught up in them all all the time Um, and i think that's the the exciting part you get to watch your life play out like a drama like a movie and and enjoy the ups enjoy the downs wonder gosh what's phil gonna do next this is a disaster you know (laughs) phil is really struggling and this is intense and, and gosh what's gonna happen next rather than being so caught up in that you you can't move forward you can't um you can't see what's next you know and so there's there's amazing opportunities ahead um, for for people that are um, pursuing this path waking up again I would caution people be really reserved in um, how you approach these things if you're nervous about this sort of stuff if you're anxious about this stuff that's probably a good sign it's probably a sign that you are very much still wanting to be quite in control of who you are Um, if you're very black and white if you're very fundamental It's gonna be really scary getting torn out of that and into a very uncertain and open and gray world um that's that is scary and and be listen to yourself listen to your body start exploring that in other ways can you explore in meditation can you just taste some of these things and, and and open yourself up to go yeah okay maybe i would be able to kind of like explore this a bit more um but you're in control you know i think that's the the thing with the psychedelics is you're not in control anymore you choose to not be in control for six hours or whatever Uh, I think that's a helpful thing to remind yourself of as you take it and you suddenly go, oh my gosh, I'm freaking out, I don't want this to be this way. Well, good luck, you're done now, right, you're in. but you can remind yourself, hey, I chose to do this. This is something I chose. So yeah, I'm choosing to lose control. I have control of this and I had control and I gave up my control for six hours. And so I need to roll with this. I need to trust past Phil who made this decision that this is gonna be okay, this is gonna be fine. And in six hours, it will be over. I, I You know, it will be over, whatever will happen. I'll, I'll have my nice packaged Phil here again and he'll be trying to reframe all this story. Um, and hopefully I will be a much different person on the other side. I'll, I'll, I'll have grown, I'll have developed. Um, but yeah, I, I think listen to yourself, listen to your fears, listen to your body, You know, take things at your own pace. Um, and there's so many different ways to explore this beyond psychedelics you know, kundalini yoga, breathing exercises. Wim Hof is a really um, great person to check out for breathing exercises that really grounds you. Just lie on the floor and do his breathing exercises for three rounds. And I guarantee you will be very present and aware um, it's an incredible practice. Um, and so there's lots of different things like that, that you don't need to um, do anything illegal. Um, you don't need to do anything scary, very normal. And, you know, I breathe all the time, every day. I can do some breathing exercises. That doesn't scare me too much. Um, and so, you know, figure out what, what works for you and, and take it at your own pace. That would be my, my big thing to say, um, you know, as we as we finish up, like, yeah, it's, it's going to be okay and you don't have to go here at all you can live life utterly unaware of awareness um you are still aware whether you like it or not that's how everything is happening It's awareness and at different points you will become awake and aware of it um but without practicing without stretching those muscles you probably aren't going to experience it as often you aren't going to experience it for as long and you maybe aren't going to get the benefits of having those moments of waking up either um so i do think it's worth uh, exercising and, and trying those things
0: beautifully said i'll make sure like i said at the beginning there are links to um i've, I've got yeah, a couple of apps for meditation i think we mentioned headspace waking up there's a few yoga apps i think are great there's the wim hof um i think he's got an app as well for breathing but i'll make sure they're all yeah. linked in the description so listen yeah if you want to begin exploring these things enjoy and go at your own pace um yeah, Phil, it's been so good to talk to you about it as always. You're such a great guest and you've got so much to share. So yeah, thank you for your time and, uh, and sharing. So honestly, it's, it's really good of you.
1: Thanks for having me. I loved it. really enjoyed it.
0: I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. To leave any comments or thoughts, you can head over to YouTube. And to follow us on social media or to see where else we are online, hit the link in the description. Thank you to all our regular givers for making this dream a reality. I'll catch you here at the same time next week. Enjoy the journey.